and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone. Okay, let's go. <laughs> there we go. I took a selfie with the audience, so I thought that was great. Okay. With all our listeners. So, anyways... You are listening to Ghost Chronicles um, Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper of the realm of the unknown, unexplained, unbelievable. Because it doesn't really matter. Because this is the last episode of Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. Really? Hmm. Is there something you're not telling me? Well, well the last one until next time. Okay. All right. With Let's me, go with that. With me, my special host. She, she is so kind and, and gentle. And it's been so, so good to me. I am the luckiest I person in the been. world to have met Miss Ann Carrigan. That's right. And uh, I love you, Ann. Oh, uh, wow. Ann Carrigan. You heard it, folks. There you go. So we got a great ah, show. All right. We, we got a great show today. Come on. Be serious now. We, 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 without sharing any expense, and we didn't, uh, we brought in the world's most famous and renowned ghost hunter, the uh, professional observer Stephen Parsons. So can we shoot it? We can go three <laughs> shot now there. So there we go. There we are. There he is. Okay, jump right in. That's what he looks like. Completely deviate from our norm. Yep. But that's okay. Well, that's the last show. So maybe I don't it really will care. be the last show. <laughs> I'm just observing. <laughs> it's the master in action. And well, welcome, Steve. Thank you. This is his fourth year in a row he's arrived here in the U.S. And, yeah, and spent, you'd think I'd know better by now. Spent, I know. Maybe the medication might start working. <laughs> spent four years in the, the uh, basement of my house. Mm -hmm. That's frightening. Yes, mm -hmm. it is. Do you keep him chained up down there? <laughs> <laughs> we open, so the, we open the door and throw the food down, and uh, there you go. It's, it's, uh, yeah. So have you unfriended us yet on Facebook? I'm working on I'm, it. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, we live I, in hope. Don't while we? I was sitting here waiting for the show to start, I had an epiphany. Say that. With no an epiphany? You can, epiphany. you can get cream for that. He's and not really sure what it is he's saying. I had epiphany. an epiphany. And uh, as, I, as I was here, Rambling. I said, I'm going to start all over again. I'm going to unfriend all my friends and have it start a new life. And we all said a unanimous yes. That's a good we idea. Agreed. Everybody agrees. We agreed. So, you know, I figure it's got to be better than my past life. So, might as well get a new one. <laughs> And then Steve and I were just going to leave him on set by himself and go have a pizza at Standish. We still could. There's so, still time. There, there is, is still time. I'm game. I, hey. There you yeah. go. Wait a minute. I want to take a picture before All you right. go. Oh, that's good. So, um. Careful. I, I, uh, we will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I know uh, mm -hmm. we have already introduced Steve as our guest and we're very oh, happy you know that he's that? here. You didn't mention well, that. Well, we usually do cemetery tripping at the beginning. Oh, I didn't get the, the worksheet here. So. so. Uh, we're going to just take one minute from our very special guest, Steve Parsons. Really? Parapsychologist and ghost hunter. Yep. And we are going to play Soon to be in GQ magazine. From Boxford, Massachusetts. Can you roll cemetery chipping? Rip <laughs> please. <laughs> please. Welcome to Cemetery Tripping, where I will feature a different cemetery in each episode that I hope you will seek out and enjoy as much as I do. 
As an avitathophile, or lover of tombstones, I spend a lot of time in the local New England area in the beautiful and historic cemeteries we have here. The stones here are like no others, and I have literally thousands of pictures of the intricate and symbolic carvings found on them. You can see my pictures on Facebook by doing a search for cemetery tripping. Harmony Cemetery is located in Boxford, Massachusetts, and is one of Boxford's oldest cemeteries, dating from 1717. I came across this burial ground while exploring the local area while at Spirit Quest in nearby Groveland. The cemetery was enlarged in 1766 when 22 neighboring families purchased more land to bury their family members. In 1998, Simeon Locke gave almost an acre more to expand the burying ground yet again. The site is marked in the front by a simple wooden marker which reads Old Campground 1864 to 1919 and District Schoolhouse Number 4. The original gates still stand in place as you enter. In my exploration, I discovered some very interesting stones, which include Lydia Barnard Spofford, who died in 1839. Lydia is credited with taking the first prisoner during the Revolution after the Battle of Lexington. Her grave bears a marker to this effect. The tomb of General Solomon Lowe, who served many years in the state militia and legislature, has some amazing carvings. Over the door is a carving of the general's likeness, which is remarkably well preserved. To either side of the crypt's door are the carved images of his four wives. Hulda, who died at age 28, Dolly, who died at age 31, Martha, who died at age 50, and finally Caroline at 88, outliving Solomon by 16 years. Other Lowe family members, Nathan and Lucy, are buried here along with 10 of their children who died in infancy. The Honorable Aaron Wood, Esquire, has a large marker in the front of the cemetery. He was a member of the Mass House of Representatives and left a large sum of money to support a grammar school in Boxford for eternity. This is a quaint little roadside cemetery with some wonderful historical stones. If you're ever roaming around the back rows of Boxford, I hope you will visit. Wow, that was pretty cool. And we're back. Yes, well, you know, sometimes I go out and ramble around when uh, we have a little lull in the action at Spirit Quest. And, so uh, that guy had four wives? That guy had four wives. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what was going on there, but, you know. So when you die and you go to heaven, are all your wives with you? That's a good question. Mm -hmm. A very, very good you question. Know, my, my mom, just before she died, and uh, she, she was in a... I was sitting there with her one night chit-chatting about a lot of things, really. It was kind of nice. But I asked her, I says, when you die, Mom, are you going to be with Dad? And she turned to me and she said, not all the time. <laughs> so maybe you don't. Know. I don't it's know. Heaven. You know. It's heaven. You know? yeah. You're going to be able to do what you want. So I speaking about know. the afterlife, <laughs> we have an expert on the afterlife here. Uh, well, no. You know what? That's a distinction. He is not an expert on the afterlife. He is a ghost hunter. So yeah, having picked up the guest, you now put them back down again. Yes. So, uh, without further ado, Mr. Stephen Parson has written a new book called Ghostology. Which you can't see. <laughs> which is the art yeah. of it's ghost hunting. Yeah. That's so cool. The art hey, of ghost hunting. Oh, there he is. Yeah. There's a little ghost. Yeah, there you go. He's keying out on our green screen. Yeah, it's renowned for the, for the um, brilliant cover. 
It is. Yeah. It and is. it says the art of ghost hunter. So yes. what what is ghostology? Ghostology is quite simply the. How is it different from ghost hunting well, 101? Huh? <laughs> I didn't write ghostology one. There are a hundred books around ghostology. Yeah, well, that's I mean, not. Ghost that's called ghostology. So how are they different? Because that is not how to do ghost hunting. Ghost 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 hunting 101 is a first step course in how to investigate and conduct a ghost invest ghost hunt. That is the study of ghosts. Ghost, as in the word, simply put, analogy, the study of the study of ghosts. It's not. In fact, it specifically says in the um, intro to the book that it is not the how-to guide to ghost hunting. It includes things that are, that are part of ghost hunting, but it's not um, a guide to ghost hunting. Okay. It's a discussion on the techniques that are used by ghost investigators um, and a consideration of the pros and cons of the methods and techniques that are, that are current and have been used in the past. Mm. So there you go. So, so it's, it's not a beginner's. No. It's not a beginner's book. Um, you might want to have a few beers. A few beers. <laughs> <laughs> um, a few few uh, things under your belt before you tackle. Well, I, I think it could be read by. Uh, it, when I designed uh, the book, um, it, I designed it so that it would appeal to the experienced ghost investigator, to the to somebody who was merely interested in understanding more about the subject. You know, they, they'd seen a few shows on TV. They were perhaps thinking about going on, on a ghost investigation, conducting some studies of their own. And also uh, parapsychologists, academics who study a different branch of phenomena uh, and who wanted to look at spontaneous cases, ghost, ghost cases, hauntings and poltergeists mm -hmm. and related phenomena. So do you go into some of the definitions of the terms that you just used, for instance, hauntings, poltergeist, ghost, ghost, and so forth? Um, not specifically. There is no specific section on definitions, but there are, um, there are examinations of some of the words used and some of the, the, the um, terminology of the paranormal. But there's no dictionary of the paranormal. There's no indexed to uh, what words or definitions because it, it's incredibly difficult to define what a ghost is or or many of the phenomena in fact now do you discuss the tools as how do you uh critique them is it you as a parapsychologist or you as your own opinions or how do you critique them i mean you're looking at it strictly on a certain point of view <laughs> Well, um, first of all, before we before we even go near the equipment, there is a whole mass of things that need to be considered by anybody with an interest in the paranormal, and that's the ethics and the morals of becoming involved in conducting these sort of investigations. And there is then a consideration and a question as to whether any form of equipment should be used. But beyond that, to answer your question more specifically, I don't need to... Uh, critique the equipment it's as such because there exists around the world the International Standards Organization who define measuring every physical parameter and variable. It is subscribed to as part of law by the United States, by Europe, by the Australian, by, the, by every government. 
and that defines that in order to measure something it has to be measured in a certain way um, by a certain piece of equipment and the results dealt with in a certain manner so if you're measuring temperature you would work to one of the recognized and I think there are 12 international standards that relate to the measurement of, te of environmental temperature likewise with sound or electromagnetic fields or humidity or radiation there is no international standard for measuring the paranormal because you cannot measure something which you do not intrinsically understand and as we don't understand what a ghost is we can't measure it therefore is not one single piece of equipment despite what they might sell you on the internet that can measure the paranormal so I don't need to critique it because it doesn't exist well, I think that's a little flawed because it does exist because you can put your $150 down and buy one. So <laughs> it, it, ignoring it is, is, is rather foolish if, if you ask me. The book me, doesn't ignore it. But you asked me to critique the equipment. Mm -hmm. uh, you can put any label you like on something. It doesn't mean that that is it. If I put the label saying a microwave tester on a wooden spoon, that doesn't mean it's a microwave tester. It is a wooden spoon being used to well, being labeled for doing something and there will be something there will be somebody there who will wave the wooden spoon around over the microwave <laughs> oven and they will go oh i can feel magic moonbeams from the microwave oven mm -hmm. so evidently in your book you you uh must not um accept any of the old spiritualist ways like dowsing or no, you obviously haven't read the book even, e either, even though you've had your copy for 10 months. As, 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 excuse me, I'm sorry. As a uh, presenter, I'm supposed to present the questions for the audience. I, I apologize for that. But uh, did you answer that question? I'm sorry, I didn't hear you that. You want to repeat the question then? I asked you, uh, then, did you accept or critique any of the old ways of communicating with spirit that the spiritualists use, like dowsing? or table tipping or Ouija boards? Oh, absolutely I did, because they form a key part of and um, of modern, even the modern investigations, and they need to be considered in the fullest sense, uh, along with psychics and mediums. The testimony of a psychic or medium is covered in an entire chapter where we look at uh, the value of the testimony and the value of the worth of the testimony. Um, from somebody who themselves is claiming a special ability. We only have their word that they have a special ability because we can't test the claims that they make. Likewise with the methods, there are some very interesting seance reports that, have you, that claim results from uh, table tipping, from Ouija boards, from um, older, older spiritualist divination techniques. Now, we can't satisfactorily dismiss them and throw them out, and it would be foolish in the extreme to simply say they don't conform to our modern 21st century materialistic viewpoint, therefore we will throw them away. We have to keep them in context, though, and recognise that um, as value to our investigation, then we need to handle the, the, re the information with 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 care. Right. I have to interrupt you for just one minute. Mm -hmm. We have a question from chat. Oh, please do. <laughs> uh, John would like to know, since Steve is here in the U.S., does that mean uh, Anne and Ron are going to the U.K. with him? Anne would certainly, but whether Ron would get past U.S. border, uh, U.K. 
border. <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Mm-hmm. I might tip them off. I might be going with my new friends. I might be smuggling an iguana. I might be going with my new friends. The man in the hat smuggling an iguana. So I oh hope that answers goodness. your question, John. So that's your answer, John. I can go. Ron has to stay. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> which is okay for me. Cause as I long as he wants the iguana. Oh, all right. He's got to give up something. All right. Mm-hmm. Have to I mean, to get into the USA nowadays, you have to pretty much give up your dignity. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Do you want your Facebook login de- uh, details now? Stop. No, seriously. But um, Homeland Security. Oh, my goodness. So absolutely. They want to know who your friends are. Yeah. Wow. Which makes absolutely Which means sense. Homeland what? Security are onto you now. Yeah. As well. <laughs> wow. Now I'm in really in Working down the friends list. So somewhere at the airport, they have a guy who's on Facebook yeah. all day long. If you have any new friends request Looking lately. at your friends. Okay. Mm. All right. So, sorry to interrupt. I just no, got to get that question no, in. No, that's excellent. That's your job, so that's question. good. So, go ahead. What, uh, what prompted you to write this book, Steve? He did. Oh, no. He absolutely <laughs> did. Um, two years ago, I was sitting in Ron's office printing out a set of course notes for the Ghostology Study Day, mm-hmm. which has been running in the UK for around 10 years. And a shortened version of it we were going to do during my visit two years ago. And I needed the course notes one copy. Everybody on the course got their own on CD, but I needed one t- as a show and tell. Right. So rather than carry a f- wad of paper over, I emailed the notes to Ron and then went up to print them on the world's slowest printer. <laughs> Each page had to be loaded manually by hand, oh, one no. by one by one. Oh, no. Whilst Ron, there is, I think there is a, a something and moan club that he's president of. Well, he did that the entire time. But at the end of it, he he looked at me and he said, you've just printed out a freaking book. Aha. And I realized that in actual fact, although I'd sworn that I would never write a book about ghost hunting because the shelves are groaning under the weight of books about Hmm. ghost hunting, that I had inadvertently done exactly that. (laughs) The publisher, uh, Paracusics, had just been... Uh, on its way to the publisher and the publisher was talking about a follow-up book that looked at the the subject more generally and in a flash of inspiration inspired by the great Van Helsing uh, I realized that the core of the book was sitting there coming out of the printer a page at a time (laughs) a dollar at a time a dollar at a time a tree yeah yeah and and I swear that printer bled. <laughs> Ron's blood. Oh my God. <laughs> so, how did you choose your chapters in Ghostology? I followed, um, first of all, I followed the course, which is a logical progression from what is it, what is it at the very start, what starts the process of an investigation? What's the very first thing that takes place? Well, the first thing is the interest. But the first thing in terms of an investigation is somebody has an experience. They see a ghost, they they hear a sound, um, they want an explanation, an answer, an understanding. Uh, The next thing is then the development of the investigation. uh, So following the steps, the book followed the, the the logical steps through to its conclusion. Um, 
And I think also a book must have a little bit of the author in it. I mean, an ac- a book that um, like that can be heavy going. Right. Uh, and I do have a sense of humour. I have to have. I mean, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Um, and there are some anecdotal instance, instances, personal anecdotal instances in the book, and there is also the final chapter, um, the, the sort of, which I think, and, and the cover, and the cover. <laughs> um, I think a book has to have a little bit of personality in it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So somewhere in there is some gin and tonic. <laughs> not actually sure about the gin and tonic. Does the results? Is it of like a scratch and sniff? The, that would have been a good idea. The, the, the last chapter, which I'm not going to mention, but the last chapter came about when somebody suggested that I'd included everything except a cut out and fold EMF meter. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what I'm looking for? No. No. <laughs> you can look, but that's fine. <laughs> and uh, but you spotted an interesting picture in the book, didn't you? <laughs> no, not really. You're not going to mention the the picture that, that you spotted and no. no? Anyways, um, <laughs> I, the thing I you know was intrigued by ghostology is that it's not a course on how to ghost hunt. Then what is its value? It's you know, I mean, if someone wants to learn about ghost hunting and they would grab one of the ghost, ghost hunting 101 books, uh, so ghostology, does it have a value to those people? Yes, as I said earlier, um, it specifically isn't a how-to. Right. But it's not a how-not-to. It's a discussion and a consideration of all of the different techniques that are represented in investigations. It would be... It would be wrong of me, and it's the same with the with the ghostology course. It would be completely wrong of me to say this is how you hunt ghosts, mm-hmm. because to do that would impose values and structure that work for me and work in, in cases that I work with and work for the the team I work with. NEGP, uh, Eastbridge Waters Most Haunted, any paranormal investigator out there will have their own group dynamic and the, their own group beliefs. They, 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 um, they must find their own way what, that works for them. But that doesn't mean to say that they shouldn't have the correct information um, at their, their disposal. They don't have to use the information. It's a resource. And it allows people to consider um, the pros and cons of all of the different techniques, film, um, photography, digital photography, uh, different sound methods, but also importantly, the way that we that we um, interact with the witnesses, the way we, we interact with our group uh, members, and the way we present our findings as well is also um, there for consideration and discussion. So, I mean, you mentioned several subjects and, and like photographs, for instance. So you can't not mention orbs because there are many paranormal people that believe mm-hmm. orbs are spirit energy. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that in the book? Do you even consider that, or is it just totally dismissed? And no, chapter 19 is exclusively dedicated to orbs mm-hmm. and a consideration of... Um, because res- there are beliefs of that. I mean, yeah. that's part of the, the problem is we yeah. all have our own beliefs that we put into our yeah. teams, into our, our investigations, into all of that thing, into our lives. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult... 
And how do you say, okay, if someone believes that a, a orb is a paranormal being, then how do you handle that? Is it, does it discuss it in there? For instance, if, if you are, I, I'm, you know, how do you handle it, really? Well, somebody who believes that orbs are paranormal beings mm -hmm. is separate from somebody who takes a photograph and then presents it as a paranormal being. Mm. Particularly if what they uh, show on the photograph is a clearly recognizable and replicable photographic anomaly. But that's, that is separate from their belief. Now they may well believe that that's paranormal, but that doesn't mean it is paranormal. People believe the earth is flat, that doesn't make the earth flat. Mm -hmm. Truth and belief are separate, are separate entities. Um, there are uh, some, there has been some very uh, detailed work done that looks at photographic anomalies and the question of are orbs airborne dust and airborne water and insects and a whole raft of other possibilities and they have demonstrated conclusively that uh, when it comes to digital photography and the modern view of the orb then almost invariably, and in fact in all of the tests that have been conducted so far, in 100% of the, the cases, the anomaly has been down to an unknown uh, photographic issue. <laughs> However, yeah. um, within the j discussion, I also do point out that we have f um, light anomalies which are described as being similar. They are, s they are discs of light um, and these have been reported here in North America ghost lights mm -hmm. uh, we have the in, in Wales where I live we have the corpse candles mm -hmm. these are clearly not the same phenomena that are described as orbs and the fact that the two look alike doesn't mean that they have the same mechanism so in the discussion it it is worth pointing out that we can comfortably repeat and explain those orbs that appear and are presented on digital photography mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean that every light anomaly is therefore not paranormal and debunked mm -hmm. I mean we we yeah. discussed this earlier and and that we hear hear so many ghost groups say I know that orbs are dust particles insects water vapor in 99% of the cases but but I caught this great orb that shows absolutely paranormal activity. And they, 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 they back it up by, by turning around and saying, we've had the picture analysed. Right, uh, by who? Well, you say, we, um, that's when that, yeah, that's when it falls apart. By our group's resident photographic expert. <laughs> well, what did he do? Well, he tinkered he with it in Photoshop. Magazine. Well, he tinkered with it in Photoshop. That's also true, very, very true of EVP. I was going to get to EVP, but if you'd like to bring up that. Well, in, in, ter in terms of the surety of, uh, or the presentation of evidence of electronic voice phenomena, mm -hmm. they will present you with a recording um, that they often uh, have enhanced. Mm -hmm. Enhanced usually means playing around in, um, with an audio editing program to the point where you can pretty well get, get it to say anything you want. And then just to make absolutely certain that people know that 
the demonic voices telling <laughs> you to get out, you uh, subtitle it. Power of suggestion. Um, we have another. Oh, we have another question from John. Is there any way to actually prove an orb is paranormal? No. Well, I mean, you can't because you can't prove anything is paranormal. And the problem with that is, um, sim it's actually a very simple thing to to answer the question because we simply don't know what these paranormally labelled events are. Uh, so we can't we can't measure them, we can't define them properly. One of the first chapters uh, in Ghostology is actually what is a ghost? Now I know our mutual friend Richard Felix has written an entire book with the same title. And which we both contributed to. Which we both contributed to and I still, I had to get my free copy of Richard's book from you. Mm -hmm. um, I'll have to get hold of Richard when he gets home. <laughs> but nonetheless. <laughs> You want him to say it. One of, I mean, what is a ghost is one of those questions that is, uh, if you look at the Oxford English Dictionary, there is a definition of a ghost. But it, it automatically presupposes that the ghost is a returning dead person. So the person who wrote the, dish, the uh, definition for the Oxford Dictionary has imposed their um, own belief upon it. In general speech, we all know what we mean when we say, I've seen a ghost. But that doesn't mean to say that it is always the same phenomena that we're experiencing. Parapsychologists like our friend Cal Cooper would have you believe that these represent um, the results of hallucination, of an enfeebled mind, that it is some uh, something psychological. Psychics and mediums would have you believe that it is a discarnate, uh, entity or a demon or something else that's outside of us and is able to communicate or trying to seek to communicate or or possess us. The truth is we just don't know. Right. You know what we do know for certain is that ghosts exist. Ghosts exist because people have experiences um, that they can't explain and that for the most part we can't explain. Right. In that we are able, Richard Felix again uses this, we can explain 80% of things. That's a made up statistic. He, he just pulled that statistic out of his, I can't say that word. <laughs> <I can't. coughs> but it gives it some credibility. Right. Yeah. Um, he, you can, we can't explain any of it, but we can explain a lot of people's experiences. Now, whether they choose to accept that explanation because it conflicts with their belief is a different thing. Right. So, I have a question. Oh, okay. Have a question. My apologies. Uh, this one's from Stephen Scott. Hey, Stephen. When it comes to <laughs> evidence, when it comes to evidence presentation, <clears throat> does Steve feel that the age of internet uploads are affecting the collection of potentially valid evidence by just putting too much? nonsense out there I think I'm really really lucky because I I started ghost hunting and with parascience over 23 years ago long before the days of the internet long before the days of social media right. long before the day we could bury our mistakes in some cases <laughs> literally um, but what that meant is that we could go along to an investigation 
and we, 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 there was no pressure on us to produce anything. We could, we could take our time, that we could take away the results, take away the, the photographs and the recordings. And because they were analog, we had to wait for things to be developed and we had to wait till we got home to listen to things. And it would take us many, many weeks, months before we were ready to discuss or present what we'd found. We were under no pressure to present our evidence to anybody but the person who said, can you come and take a look at our property or can you help me with the experience that I've had? Nowadays, with social media-led, uh, the, the social media-led world, you know, we, we have selfies even imposing into television studios. You, there is a pressure, a tremendous pressure on groups to push their evidence out there. A group forming now, the first way that they form is to think of a cool name, set up a Facebook page and start collecting likes, often, and, and set up a YouTube channel, often before even they've ever been near a haunted building. Don't forget the matching t-shirts. Oh, and the uh, fleeces and matching t-shirts. <laughs> uh, but there is a, a weird rush that takes place on a, on a Sunday morning. Sometimes it, it's, it's actually changing as, as social media changes. But it used to be on, on a Sunday morning, uh, there would be a competition between groups to get their EVP and cool ghost photographs onto Facebook as, as quickly. At no point, uh, there, is no, there is no time between the picture taking and the presenting. There can be no interpretive stage where they've sat back and gone, what is the cause? How do, and yet you see the, we examined every possibility. <laughs> you didn't. Uh, and the fact that you can't explain something doesn't mean that it's unexplainable. It could just mean that you haven't looked properly. What's even more interesting, certainly in the last year, is the pressure on groups and investigators has ramped up again because groups are now able via uh, Periscope and via Facebook to conduct their investigations and present their evidence live right. in real time with absolutely no chance whatsoever to consider um, what's co you know, where the evidence has come from, what it means, how, how, how does it relate to other uh, things within the case. And I'm really, really glad I started out back then. Because it allowed me, it, it's like with this um, America's Got Talent, um, you have musicians who started off paying the clubs and pubs and having rocks and tomatoes, or is it tomatoes in America, whatever, <laughs> thrown at them. And they developed, they learnt their craft. Right. And you have Simon Cowell's creations who have one song and then they're writing their autobiography. But the the world perceives them as expert musicians, as already the top of their tree. And it's rather the same in terms of social media. I think there is an awful lot of tremendously talented investigators um, who exist in, in, in groups and teams. Um, I think that they are unfortunately being misled by the pressure that's applied to them by social media and also the misinformation resources. Um, and I recently presented a, a, a paper to the Society for Psychical Research in London at their conference um, a few weeks ago, where I said to them that I think that they should shoulder a great deal of responsibility for some of the situation, because parapsychologists um, and the venerable organizations who have got an enormous 
resource and archive of information going back 150 years have completely disengaged with the amateur investigators and spontaneous cases and consider them a branch of I, I almost care in the community science. <laughs> and the investigators who, who are desperate for information about what their experiences, what their what equipment to use, what methods are, are, are proven, what methods are good, what methods are bad, are left to TV programs and to trying to work it out between themselves on social media. We tried this, we got this apparent uh, result, or we'll, we'll try it too. I saw this re really cool piece of equipment, it had some cool flashy lights, it was called the Ghost Ark, it didn't work, <laughs> but we sold lots of them. Instead of being able to look back at 150 years of sound research where many of these methods and techniques have been examined in detail and some of them have been found to be highly beneficial mm -hmm. and other, others have been found to be highly questionable, they haven't, it's like the history has been forgotten because partially they're not looking right. and the uh, societies, the American Society for Psychical Research, are not are not engaging. So it's like the libraries have shut the doors, but the people don't know there are libraries there. Ah, oh, that's too bad. And I I would agree with that. I think that there's so many people who get into this field and they have absolutely no idea um, what's past, hmm. what's come before them. Um, if someone was going into ghost hunting now. What would you recommend, besides reading Ghostology, what would you recommend, what's their starting point for, for reference? Well, their first starting point nowadays, we have to recognize, will be, will be the Internet. It has to be the right. Internet, because everybody turns to the Internet. But when you consider um, information, when you're, you're looking um, for information, don't just take the first five pages that you see, or the first bits of the first five pages that you see. Look for, look for articles that um, support your, consider your own personal opinion. You know, do you kind of believe, do you, oh no, there's no such thing. Look for articles that support your opinion and recognize that they do. And look at how they, they gel with your, when you're reading it, you're thinking, yeah, I, I believe it, I go along with that. I go along with that. Then look, then deliberately seek out ones that appear to oppose and consider what what do they make you feel like. But um, they might make you feel, well, oh, that's ridiculous. People can't possibly experience that. People can't possibly believe that. Mm -hmm. But people are saying that they do. Mm -hmm. uh, how do you reconcile those two, those two uh, beliefs, those two views? And Try to form an opinion that's based upon reconciling those those views. Read widely. Read ghostology, absolutely. But read a book written on how to ghost hunt by a psychic because their perspective will be completely different. Mm -hmm. And try to find your own way through that. There are resources from the Society for Psychical Research, from its American counterparts as well, um, that will give you more information. I would avoid generally... Uh, we talked about history briefly, mm -hmm. but I would generally avoid um, web pages that discuss the history of psychical research because invariably they seem to be making uh, 
some fundamental mistakes. And that's because the society, the SPR and the ASPR, have not engaged enough to allow, you know, they, the library hasn't been fully open. Mm-hmm. And so the information is a little distorted. And that, particularly in areas such as electronic voice phenomena, uh, there, are, there are many, 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 many web pages that will tell you that it began in the ni- late 1950s, but very, very few that will take you beyond that to the 19th century. Uh, so you might seek 100 web pages, and co- you will find the consensus that in the late 1950s, EVP was magically discovered by a, free, by a Swedish television producer. Mm-hmm. But only a handful will allow you to see beyond that and realise that by by the time he discovered it, it was already 60 years up. It had been known for 60 years right. and had been studied for 60 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So before we go on, I do want to mention... Uh, Yesterday, while uh, Steve and I were up doing a haunted dinner in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. we ran into Julie Aldridge from East Bridgewater. Really? Yes. Mm. Oh, my God. She came all the way we'll up rephrase to... rephrase that. We didn't run into her. <laughs> <laughs> With the trolley? <laughs> and uh, so we want to give a shout-out to her. So Wow. Shout-out, Julie. Julie. That's very cool. Yep. So anyways, uh, I think one of the problems is... You know, the, the paranormal field is really, I think it's more of a hobby than it is a uh, true scientific endeavor. Oh, yeah. And even the early researches, uh, some of their research was flawed, unfortunately. And we accept that research as the way to do it. And uh, a lot of the serious researchers today, because they don't have TV shows, are ignored. And yet we see people with no training at all on TV uh, and that's the way to do things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, no matter what your beliefs are, uh, as Steve said, uh, for instance, I did a, at Spirit Quest, I did my presentation on the Shroud of Turin, okay. and the stirrup, which was 25 scientists, no matter what their beliefs was in the Shroud of Turin, they all investigated it as experts in their field. Right. And they were critical uh, as they were scientists, not necessarily in their own beliefs. So it's important that whoever does this is they have to be uh, skeptical, they have to be critical in their thinking. That's the very key. I mean, you could still have your beliefs. It does not mean that you have to give up your beliefs, but you do have to be critical in uh, thinking if you are truly uh, serious about investigating the paranormal. Would you agree, Mr. Parsons? Absolutely. So, uh, is there a uh, <clears throat> any um, thoughts of uh, Ghostology too? Uh, no, but there is a third book with a blue cover and another crazy ghost. <laughs> um, and the next book that I uh, might be written um, will be a version of Ghostology, a more fun version of Ghostology for under 11s. Oh, that's a good idea. And that, that came about because uh, with with all of my children, they've all, from a very early age, uh, obviously they know what dad does. Um, they've joined me on many occasions looking for ghosts. And you end up spinning them little stories about uh, why we do things a certain way because you want to introduce them to the subject without scaring them. Right. Um, and, you know, we've, we've built ghost traps and we've talked about some... And my wife said, why don't you write this rubbish down? <laughs> um, because it would make a... 
Now, the first title, Demonology for the Under Fives, was turned down flat by them. <laughs> <laughs> but interestingly, talk about uh, children's books. I have one at home. I, I, obviously, I, I, I collect books. But this one book I, I found, it was produced, I think, in 2008 by Barnes & Noble. Mm -hmm. Somebody out there will have another copy of it. But they're incredibly rare because they were pulled from the shelves, certainly in the United Kingdom. Uh, this book was a ghost guide uh, and based upon, loosely based upon um, the adventures of Harry Price and the Society of Psychical Research, a little bit of Arthur Conan Doyle, without naming any of these names, they were clearly influential in the book. Wow. And it was a fantastic hardback book with pull-up bits and <laughs> these fold-outs and the last two pages was a fully pull-out, fold-out Ouija board. <laughs> Um, with, for under five? Or with un, well, under, under eights. Under eight. With uh, a card planchette and instructions on how to contact oh the dead. Oh my It didn't last goodness. very long oh, I, uh, before I can it was pulled from the shelves. I can imagine Well, that. in reality, yeah. I mean, that's not such a crazy thing because Parker Brothers has been building Ouija boards for 150 years. That's true. Years, we had so. Barbie Ouija boards. Mm. Well, right? Barbie Ouija they, they were all based. <laughs> I mean, they had the little stories for the girls that... Uh, the little questions mm -hmm. for the girls and yeah. so forth. So it's it's not a, an unusual thing. And uh, several year back, years back, when we signed with our uh, book agent, they also had another book that they were uh, pushing, which was uh, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was written by Patrick Burns, Molly Gibson, oh, yeah. and uh, Darkness Dave, and it was uh, basically ghost hunting for teenagers. Mm -hmm. So there, there are some books out there that, oh, that are absolutely. addressing the younger generation. Oh, of course, I, I, in fact, there are um, there are already ghost hunting guides for um, the very young. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been. Um, in fact, we've we, we've managed to buy one or two. Um, and these are for you know uh, kindergarten ages. They they are very simplistic. They're basically saying um, there is one that we we used a lot with with my youngest, and that uh, is it, is it a ghost? And then they show uh, you you look at the cutout through the hole and know it's a bird, or it's a tree rapping oh, okay. on a window, or it's to stop the scare factor. Ah, but okay. I find that it, we, there are often discussions. Um, on the on social media mm -hmm. about children on investigations and most public investigations and ghost hunts specifically ban anybody under the age of 18 right um and they say that this sort of thing is completely unsuitable for under 18s now i've always um been mindful of the fact that in a lot of domestic um, situations the children themselves are amongst those having the experiences. That's true. And then to then exclude them from um, developing an understanding, or excluding uh, yourself from hearing their perspective. My, my daughter um, had been in many haunted buildings from the age of four. Mm -hmm. Always, obviously, parent was there and obviously in a safe situation yeah. however she had a very different perspective and I'm not talking about the the um, children being psychic but she, she would say things that adults would consider or think twice about saying um, and she would just say things as as they were right. there was no adults tend to consider what they're about to say before mm -hmm. they say it, right. and yeah. an example of that before was what you know, the pausing before saying some words. Mm -hmm. Children don't. Mm -hmm. So when 
Helen had said, I've just seen that, and then described something, she was, it was very different than an adult would describe it. Yeah. And it was a refreshing and interesting perspective on some of the places that we were, we were visiting. It's true. And I mean, children have that honesty. Mm-hmm. And they don't... And a different outlook on the world. Yeah, uh, they see That's things, not, not through psychic eyes, but they see things in a very different way than adults. Right. You know, they don't have to respect the, the conventions that adults have to respect. Mm-hmm. And so I've always advocated um, that if the, if the situation is safe, then I've never objected to children being involved in the investigation process. Um, and involving my own has meant that as they've grown up, they, they're not afraid of the boogeyman. They're not afraid of ghosts. That's good. Um, yeah. And that they will, you know, my wife tried to uh, prank my, si- my five-year-old <laughs> um, by, by sort of making, uh, tapping and rapping. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mummy, I know it's you because I can see the shadow on the wall behind the, <laughs> the door moving. No, he's clearly thinking, you know, logically, logically, Mm -hmm. and that removes the fear factor. You know, a lot of children get anxious and stressed, um, and when you get called to, and I have been called to many houses where there are children involved, and the child can really become anxious and stressed about the situation and may have to be removed from the property for a while. If the child is given, uh, treated with, you know, enough to give them an understanding, and they realise it's normal, it's not threatening them, mm-hmm. um, but it's just part of the environment that they're in. They will they will adapt, often quicker than the adults will. Mm, that's true. Now you brought an interesting fact. You mentioned the fear factor, and, and that is a huge part of the paranormal. Uh, we're not only talking about children, but adults too that are fearful of whatever this phenomena is. Is that addressed in your book? And it should, should it be? It is. It's addressed um, when we, w- with the discussion of ethics and morals, because you do have to be very mindful of uh, people's beliefs, their anxieties, their situations, their upbringing, situations that you actually don't know anything about. Because when you go to meet somebody for the first time, you know absolutely nothing at all right. about that person they might have had a very difficult, very traumatic life experience. Um, you don't know what their beliefs are. And so the book discusses ways that you can gain some understanding, gain a rapport with that person, because they are, they are one of the, the most important, they are simply the most important part of the investigation, because that is the person who had the experience you didn't. Um, they are the reason that you're there but you are there to explore their experience uh, with them and for them uh, but primarily with them and they are part of the process many groups make the mistake of throwing the experience e out of the property Um, you know the the studios here are haunted at three o'clock in the afternoon, so everybody's you know, chucked out of the building, and the ghost hunters come in at three a.m. in the morning. <laughs> you have completely changed the the, the situation, right. and they do that in homes as well. You, you you really have to be very sensitive 
uh, when you're dealing with people and their beliefs, their anxieties, their their um, their life. Mm-hmm. So now we've seen more and more rise of negative uh, energies, demons, jinn, whatever. Uh, Not jinn, by the way. Yeah, that's good to know. <laughs> so. Zozo. Yeah, Zozo. I mean, we have all this evilness now, and, th- and that's very much religious as well. So how does ghostology handle that? Or should it even handle that? Well, it doesn't handle it, but it has to discuss it in, perhaps not in depth. I mean, that is an entirely different, demonology is right. entirely. But it does discuss the, the rise or the alteration in ghost cases and ghost reports and um, because not very many years ago ghosts were white ladies um, headless phantoms that that swished down corridors that drifted through walls pretty and went about their business without really inflicting themselves um, except in possibly a scare or two on the living, think of the Canterville ghost or, or, or many, many others in history, white ladies standing on, on castle ramparts. Then the media gets involved, and of course, that sort of ghost, there were ghost stories and ghost movies that involved just a white floating apparition. But people wanted more, um, more and more. People love a good scare. Um, the most popular movies in Hollywood history have been the horror films because people like to go out on a Saturday night with their box of popcorns and have the bejesus scared out of them. <laughs> but we want more. We demand great... It's like with theme rides. We want bigger rides and higher loops and bigger drops and tighter turns. And it's the same with... Once we've... The white phantom apparition it's very passe it's very last year and we've ramped up through the 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 ghosts of the murderers through now to uh, people are not less satisfied with demons also the language of the ghost uh, ghost hunters on television is very very paramilitary you know they are they are wearing almost body armor (laughs) and you know they talk in terms of lockdown and get them and yeah. It's very, very like these things are things that can be hunted down and captured and fought. They're not hunting ghosts now in a sense of gaining information. They're actually doing combat with ghosts. You have mediums last Halloween in America, a live exorcism, a live situation where a paranormal investigator and a psychic dressed as a priest, bizarrely, <laughs> did battle for the soul of an advertising product. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's people demand more and more of a scare right. and that's you know when people go out on their own investigations when people pay to go on an investigation a haunted house investigation a haunted house at halloween they're not satisfied any longer with you know a, a vaporous apparition apparition they want beelzebub himself to come out right and there. kick the popcorn from their hand <laughs> So I know we're running out of time, and uh, you do have one other book that you have written, which is called Paracoustics, The mm-hmm. Sound and the Paranormal. Do you want to give us a, a brief synopsis? Yeah, this was, the, this was the, the first book of the, of the, the sequence. Uh, might be a trilogy. We don't know. Uh, this was co-written with Cal Cooper, um, who is a parapsychologist, and this looks at um, one of the most commonly reported experiences of the paranormal is not seeing a ghost. 
it's actually hearing something. And it includes um, electronic voice phenomena studied in a great deal of detail from a psychological and a physical uh, point of view. Uh, seance room knocks and rappings and it's not written by Cal and I exclusively um, we have gone to the world's leading experts researchers in those particular all the different areas of sound relating to the paranormal and they have contributed chapters to the book great I think that's a very worthwhile book which one? the, Paracoustic? the paracoustics as well I mean mm. you know there's so many groups that do EVPs and uh, yeah, it's it's one of book of many out there. It's it's yeah. worth reading, but as Steve said before, read other books too. Get a feel of Definitely. what's out there, and you know, decide up your own mind. That's what it really comes down to. It's your own beliefs, unless you're, you know, uh, doing a research paper for something. Uh, then it's really you're out there to try to learn something, and you're going to be influenced a little bit by your own beliefs. So that's. Take a look at it, look at both sides of the story, and make up your own mind. And they're both available on Amazon. All right. Right, U.S. and, and U.K. We do have to wrap this up. Steve, if someone wants to get a hold of you or get in touch with you, how do they do that? Um, theghosthunter.webs.com. Right. And all of the links and things fan out from there. So the, theghosthunter.webs.com. Excellent. Dot com or dot U.K.? Dot com. Okay. .com. Very good. Well, thank you so much. My pleasure again. For coming and visiting us. That's a yearly event, and we always enjoy it. Might be the last according to Ron. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be the last. Uh, but uh, we have enjoyed it, and thank you so much. Thank you again. Have a good night. And we'll see you next month. If I traditionally leap off. <laughs> <laughs> to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.